Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Less ads means more of your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Anthony Albanese is Federal Labor Leader. He joins us on the program. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Good to be with you again. Thank you. It's been some week there in Canberra, has it not? Oh, look, it certainly has. I don't think it's... uh, Well, it's certainly very clear that it's not Parliament's uh, finest uh, week uh, that we've had. Uh, There are major issues, of course, confronting the country, including the pandemic, the need to roll out the vaccine, uh, issues of uh, the two million people who are either unemployed or underemployed. But, of course, there's also been a focus on uh, the reported sexual assault uh, that uh, occurred uh, in the Defence Minister's own office of, of Brittany Higgins and, and her, uh, her bravery in coming forward. Absolutely. One nation on this program this morning has accused you of politicising the issue. I disagreed uh, quite strongly with Malcolm Roberts when he made that accusation this morning. So I'll put it to you. Uh, I don't believe you have, but how would you respond to that? Uh, Well, I I haven't. Um, I wasn't aware of this issue. Uh, This is an issue uh, whereby uh, this uh, woman, uh, Ms Higgins, has come forward uh, with an account and uh, the government have had uh, different statements at different times, some of which have contradicted each other. Uh, Brittany Higgins put out a statement yesterday uh, saying, uh, to quote her, the continued victim-blaming rhetoric by the Prime Minister is personally very distressing to me and countless other survivors. Uh, That was a statement uh, that she made, and she concluded her statement with the government has questions to answer for their own okay. conduct. Well, do they? Do you agree with what Brittany Higgins says? Does the government have questions to answer? And should the Prime Minister perhaps explain again why uh, people are alleging that he's misled Parliament with some statements that he's made into when or not, whether or not his uh, office or he himself had not known about these allegations until, what, recently, just two, three days ago? Well, that's right. I mean, there are, there are two issues. One is uh, when did uh, the Prime Minister's office know the, the person who was uh, the Chief of Staff uh, to the Defence Minister at the time was a former uh, staff member of the Prime Minister and is a current uh, staff member of the, the Prime Minister. And uh, so the statement that uh, his office uh, wasn't aware of these issues needs to be reconciled with that fact. Um, the facts just need to be out there. Um, as Higgins has said, that she was denied access to the CCTV footage from uh, that evening. And uh, her statement yesterday uh, requires a, an honest and transparent response. Uh, from the government. Surely, Anthony, if there's been a number of so-called secretive uh, investigations and inquiries, parliamentary inquiries into this incident, surely 
the chain of command would dictate that the Prime Minister, the man who holds the highest office in this land, would have damn well known about it. I, I can't... I mean, even others, uh, including Peter Credlin and including uh, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, have come out saying that it's just not credible that Scott Morrison did not know about this alleged rape in one of his key ministers' offices back in 2019, ahead of the last federal election. Well, it, they've, they've made very clear statements about it. Uh, the, the Prime Minister needs to respond, I guess, in, in two ways. One is uh, to state exactly what the timeline is here. And uh, if it's the case... Uh, that uh, this occurred just 50 metres from his office, that there was uh, contact between his uh, principal private secretary and Ms Higgins um, uh, you know, more than once, uh, close to the timing of the incident, and then again uh, at the time that the Four Corners program uh, was uh, being uh, Produced last this year. This is Finkelstein, apparently the fixer, who, you know, uh, looks after damage control for the government. Look, I know you need to be very careful here, Anthony, but I guess the question, the main thing that I want to ask you this morning before we move on to other issues is should the Prime Minister of this country step aside? Because I believe personally that he's misled the Australian Parliament, he's misled the people of this country, and I don't buy for a moment, Anthony Albanese, that Scott Morrison did not know that this young woman had been allegedly raped inside, well, less, as you've put it, less than 50 metres from his office. It's, it's inconceivable to me, and I think it's inconceivable to the majority of Australians. It doesn't pass the pub test. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. Well, well it is quite extraordinary, uh, these revelations. And then also, if, uh, if the account of the Prime Minister is correct, how has the Defence Minister kept her job? Uh, I just find uh, the fact that uh, the, All right, should the, Linda the, Reynolds go then? Well, the, I asked the Prime Minister uh, this week in Parliament if he had confidence in her uh, because I, I can't see uh, how uh, this all, all, all stacks up. What we need here is just transparency for people to, to say what happened and when. Uh, I think that Ms Higgins deserves uh, nothing less than that. Well, putting that aside, I think the Australian public deserve to know how and why it's taken so long and how a young woman can go on national television and announce to the world effectively that a, uh, an alleged rape has occurred in the parliamentary suite of a uh, Liberal MP in Canberra in our heart of democracy. And yet, you know, she felt fearful of losing her job had she made a big song and dance about it up until now. I mean, this poor woman has effectively given up her career. She's unemployable now within the public service, most likely, and her life is ruined. Well, this is the, the Defence Minister's office, and uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of the most serious uh, offices in the land, and uh, the uh, reported incident occurred uh, in, in the middle of it, on, on the couch, uh, it, it's just uh, an extraordinary story, and, and we do need uh, very clear answers. I wrote to uh, the Prime Minister saying, uh, asking for, I issued a media release, I asked him personally in Parliament uh, about an independent inquiry. Uh, I'm pleased that uh, he has now agreed to that. Um, quite clearly, you know, I, I haven't sought uh, to politicise this this issue, but 
you, you can't have no questions being asked no, when an incident like this occurs uh, in our national parliament. All right. TAFE, uh, let's move on to this issue, Anthony. TAFE is where people learn the skills that will build our future. Jobs like social work, aged care, metalwork and engineering. We have more than 2 million unemployed or at least looking for more work in our country. We have a skills shortage. Is TAFE the answer? Absolutely it is. We need to rebuild TAFE. Uh, TAFE has to be at the centre of our our training programs. Uh, It has uh, served... Uh, many tens and hundreds of thousands of Australians will over a long period of time. One of the things that struck me uh, was uh, when I was up in, in Cairns as part of my Queensland visit uh, that you have devastation for the tourist community, uh, but you also have uh, a, a skill shortage when it comes to chefs. Uh, even under those circumstances, we have massive skill shortages uh, in the traditional trades like bricklaying, there's shortages of uh, people with engineering skills, Uh, there's shortages uh, of plumbers. Uh, People out there will know if they've tried to get an electrician, it can often be very difficult. And and these are well-paid jobs. Uh, These are jobs that Australians should be trained for and we should be employing Australians first rather than relying upon imported labour, which is what we've done, uh, which is very short-sighted. There's been $3 billion ripped from TAFE. We have 140,000 less apprentices and trainees today than we did when this government came to office in 2013. Yeah. Anthony, it's great to have you on the program. I appreciate it this morning, and we'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Federal Labor leader, Anthony Albanese. Email us. Check out our podcasts and listen live to smsupernetwork.com. Unscripted, genuine, sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, 26 minutes after five. G'day there. Hello, Dennis. How are you this morning? Mate, I'm okay. Excellent. Just, just, I've got a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Oh, no. Really? Oh, yeah. Mate, <laughs> okay, off you go. The, the Cronulla Shark. All of a sudden, they've found money to get Bellamy from Melbourne. And who's the number one ticket holder for the Shark? Wow, that is a wild conspiracy theory, that one is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, you know, no, he, can find, he can find money to sport rights and he can find money for this and find money for that. <laughs> Are you really wanting to get me sued, Dennis? Come on. No, I know. That's my theory, though. I'm just not yours. <laughs> Very true. It's my theory. It's how I'm allowed a conspiracy theory. If he can get up there and tell us lies that he didn't know about this thing or he didn't know about the sports rights and he didn't know about the $76,000 that the NBN staff have... Um, paid themselves in bonus and you didn't know about the girl with the post office paying herself $26,000 ring and all that. Mm. It all adds up, doesn't it? Well, maybe. Yes. I don't know. I just don't know about the sharks. <laughs> well, again, you know, I don't know. It's just, just all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the clubs get found out through the integrity commission of the, of the football that, you know, they, they've wrought in the system and you know, got extra money for somewhere and whatever. Mm. They're always looking for a third party. He might he might put it in himself out of his own pocket. 
I don't I doubt know. it. I think he's a sting. <laughs> I, I, I really think, you know, the, the, the whole structure of him is merely, and it's, it's just, I don't know, but who's going to take his place? Oh, well, uh, there's probably quite a few lining up. Uh, remember, he was the accidental Prime Minister. Yeah, and then, and then so was Turnbull. You know, and he's raised his head again and says, I wish he'd go away. Malcolm Turnbull? Uh, yeah. Well, look, he was asked, he, he, in fairness to, to Malcolm, he was, you know, asked to come on as an ex-Prime Minister. At least he's actually uh, speaking out about it. Others have gone very quiet. But you, know, you just look at the things that he gave us the NBN, and, it, and everybody's complaining. You know, there was people from Dubbo and everything last night on the earlier show. You know, their, their radio communications are breaking down because of this NBN thing. You know, we had it here. We had to get a special bloody apparatus or something. The NBN went past, and we had all Googles and things happening on our TVs. I got the TV guy out. He said, oh, "I'll put this resistor in." That's cost us extra money. We didn't want the bloody thing anyway. Well, look, a lot of people say, Dennis, that it's been a multi-billion-dollar white elephant. Oh. <laughs> oh, so look at the uh, look at the thing with the water he mucked up and whatever. You know, just uh, I don't know. They, where, where do they get these jobs or wherever? Now you're you're from Canberra. You should have known about this. You were in Canberra two years ago, weren't you? Uh, a little longer than that. Known about what, Dennis? Known about this rape thing, being a well, journal or... Alleged rape. Uh, look, yes. Sorry, alleged, yes, alleged, alleged, alleged. Yes. I don't want to get into another argument. No, you don't like want I to, but today. again, you know, they're, <laughs> they're saying that the, the slightest sniff journals would have got something, you know? Uh, well, the other thing, too, um, you know, it's a really serious allegation and accusation, and unless the, you know, the alleged victim was able to come forward and go on the record with a journalist. It's something that people wouldn't have run with until, obviously, yeah. this this young lady decided that she was going to leave and she couldn't deal with it anymore. And she's uh, spoken to Lisa at the project and she's felt comfortable doing that. I've got to go, Dennis, because the latest news, sport and weather is coming up at 5.30. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give us a call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. If you want to send me an email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com and of course on the text 0458 Okay, 25 minutes away from 6 o'clock. Great to have you company. It's a Friday. Very, very busy day for me. I've got two weddings to go to today. Not one, two. I've got my sister's wedding, which is happening uh, just after lunch. And then, uh, that's up around Barara. And then I have my fiancé's brother's wedding, which is happening later this afternoon into tonight. And that's in Barrel. So, uh, if you see some bloke stressing and pulling his hair out, driving from Barara to Barrel, travelling at the speed limit, of course, that'd be me. Hands up in the air, I'd be wearing a suit. <clears throat> really, a suit? Yeah, I've got to today. Have to. How are we? It is Friday morning. It's great to have you company. Give us a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Plenty of news about. Plenty of news. We'll get to all of it. Uh, what do you make of the whole Facebook debacle? We survived. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. We survived. Uh, look, most, uh, I guess, news commentators like myself 
our social media pages survived, but news organisations, uh, you know, The Telegraph, Sky News, etc., uh, none of them are visible anymore. News content on Facebook is gone. However, we will still have the opportunity to broadcast um, of it, well, to put up on our Facebook page some of the news that we bring you, uh, the news that we create on this very program. So that's good. That's good. So let your, let your, your family and friends know that uh, you will still be able to get the latest news and information, not only by listening to this radio program, but by following me personally on social media. Uh, just go to 2smsupernetwork.com and uh, the hashtag is Marcus Paul in the morning. Warren, are you there, mate? Yes, I am, Marcus. Thank you for taking my call and good morning. Good morning to uh, you. I'd like to uh, just, uh, well, I'm wondering why this, uh, the lady with the uh, alleged um, rape hasn't pressed charges uh, against, the, uh, against the individual because clearly you wouldn't want, if it, you know, if it is all above board, uh, you wouldn't want him on the street, obviously. Um, but despite uh, being offered to go to the federal police, she hasn't pressed charges. Uh, and uh, I believe her... Well, it's not up to her to press charges. It's up to the police to press charges. Got to be very careful here. Uh, and my understanding is that police are currently investigating the circumstances and they've recommenced their investigations into the incident. So it's not up to the lady herself, uh, the alleged victim of this crime to press charges. Charges are brought by police. Uh, It's not a civil case. It's uh, highly likely it will become a criminal case, and that's why I need to be a little careful. Um, Mm. And look, if if you're asking me the question, I'll answer it. Why has she or why have no charges been uh, laid against the alleged perpetrator so far? I'll tell you. Because the young lady didn't want to lose a job. Uh, I mean, that's how awful the situation is. She said very clearly and claims that she did not want to lose her job if she went ahead with uh, her complaint. Mm. So, yes, you know, right, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, no. uh, you know, obviously, but, I mean, I'm not her, I'm not in her situation. Well, that's true, that's true. But I'd also believe that her current partner work for the government. He's just recently been dismissed. Uh, so I think there could be a little bit more smoke uh, when there's fire. So we might just have to watch this space. All right. Well, the current partner I'm in constant contact with, and I've been on the record in saying that uh, he used to produce me in Canberra. I know the man, obviously. I'm not going to mention his name uh, for obvious reasons. They're laying low at the moment. I've offered him uh, an opportunity to come on this program and speak. Uh, I'm in contact with him via messenger pretty much every day. Um, So, look, I don't know. I know that apparently there's been some backgrounding on him. He is still employed. He is still employed by the government. So he hasn't lost his job. I can tell you that right now. Anyway, um, but he is in fear of losing his job. I'll, I'll add that bit. And maybe that's the whole problem. Maybe that's the whole problem. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. The telephone. Lee's on the open line. Are you there, Lee? Yes, mate. How are you, Lee? I'm all right. Um, how are you going? All right, thanks, Lee. 
Yes, I uh, had a bit of a, uh, a bit of a story to tell. Tell, do tell. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to tell, and uh, if I mix up a spare word, uh, yeah. What? So anyway, uh, hang on. What did you say? Oh, if I mix oh. up a Swear right. word. No, don't yeah. don't swear because then I'll have to. Yeah, yeah. Dump, I'll, you don't I'll, swear. I'll try my best, Carter. It's not Carter. It's Marcus. Marcus. Yeah. Marcus. Marcus is a Paul. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So fine. anyway, um, mm. I was stuck. So um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Is this uh, is this the standard of callers that Carter gets? Is it? Have you lost something, Lee? Yes. What I've lost you... a goat. You've lost a goat. No, you have no idea, honestly. Well, no. <laughs> I'm hoping that you'll give me some sort of idea. So you've lost a goat. How how the hell have you lost a goat? I lost a goat in an old uh, gold mine. Right. Whereabouts? Uh, in the old one. No, no. Uh, Whereabouts is this gold mine? Sapala. Oh, okay, out there near Bathurst. Yes. Right. So you've lost yes. a goat. Did the goat have a name? <laughs> no, it's Big Billy. <laughs> no, it didn't and have her... a name, but it's Big Billy. Okay, so Big Billy's lost in a gold mine out there at near Sapala, is he? Yeah, yeah, and the and the blue healers just pushed him back down to die with the wombat. The blue healer just pushed him back down to what? Die with the wombat. To dive with the wombat. So in other words, you think the goat has gone underground because the goat near Cephala in a gold mine has been pushed underground by a blue healer. Now, does the blue healer have a name? Uh, he did. He did? He done no more. Oh, why? What happened to the blue healer? Oh, I couldn't couldn't pronounce it on radio. Okay, so what is the blue healer no longer with us? No, 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 he is, but um, he's mm. one of them little stumpy, stumpy things that uh, come around from Bassus, right? And then, and, mm. yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, well, Lee, I don't particularly uh, yeah. like him, but. Anyway, um, All right. I'll find him in another ten years, and uh, yeah, if he if he modified and woodified, woodified, like, oh, yeah. you should see him when they get in this hole. Right. Yeah, they there is no coming back. No, it would appear not. No coming there, back whatsoever. There's, there's Chinaman down there. Chinaman down the hole too in Safala out. Bloody yeah, oath there is. Yeah, okay. Uh, do they have names? Don't even go there. Woo! Hello, good morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. Breakfast. I know it's Friday. I know it's happy hour, but boy, oh, well, actually, happy hour's not for a couple of hours away. And Amy Shark, great Australian singer, will be joining me on Happy Hour. But uh, it would appear that old mate there who's lost a goat in a gold mine near Safala after this goat was pushed down the hole by a blue healer called Stumpy, it would appear that old mate there started Happy Hour well before we have. 
Nay. It's not your cousin. You've just. You, it, it's not a G up on a Friday morning. You thought I'm just going to stir Marcus up because I know he's got a big day today. No. All right. I was just wondering, Justin, where where do they come from? Where do these people come from? And are they real? He can't be real. They can't be a real caller. Hey. Uh, I mean, the bloke thinks it's Saturday night, for God's sake. He thinks it, uh, it it's the Carter Edwards program. Well, it's only a few hours to Saturday, so. I mean, he's, he's getting a bit mixed up. It's still dark. <laughs> do you think it's is it drugs or is it? That's alcohol? a bit of alcohol, I think. Oh, a bit of alcohol. Oh. They got paid the yesterday Thursday. Go down payday Thursday. Yeah, payday yesterday. Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> I love it. All right. Okay. Speaking of Amy Shark, she's going to be on the program a little later she is. this morning. So yes. I thought, well, why not? Let's just play a little bit of Amy. I'll play her brand new song that features none other than Keith Urban. After eight, morning to you. Yeah, Amy Shark, great Australian songstress. She's from the Gold Coast. And she'll be joining us on the program for Happy Hour just after 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> uh, Matt has been in touch. Thank you, Matt, for your uh, email. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Matt says, G'day, Marcus. With all this rain about, I think Lee has stumbled across a good batch of magic mushrooms and slapped them on his Fenji toast. Well, I think we agree. <laughs> we agree. Imagine, you know, that's your life. Wouldn't it be great just to walk around? No, you know, no, no thought as to what's going on in uh, Parliament House. No thought about stress. No issues, just looking for a... Bloody wombat down a hole. No. What's he looking for? What was he looking for? Not a wombat. He was looking for something down a hole in Cephala where there's apparently gold. I mean, what a life. Uh, Diana, regarding apprenticeships. Marcus, wasn't it the Labor government under Julia Gillard that said everyone had to finish at years 11 and 12? My daughter was devastated because she was finishing, uh, well, ready to finish at year 10. That was the beginning of less apprenticeships. Well, possibly die, yeah. Look, you're right. I know that Julia Gillard did want to push for a smarter Australia, insofar as, uh, when I say smarter Australia, she encouraged as many people as possible to go right through to year 12 and then on to university. Yeah, there was a big push, um, because we wanted to up our... Uh, well, I guess the skills of those that need to go to university. Uh, but TAFE and apprenticeships, etc., have always been around. Um, I don't know, maybe some of the rot did set in, but at least um, Anthony Albanese, I mean, we're going back uh, to the Gillard days here, but at least Albo uh, is talking about improving the sector, which is something that I think needs to be on the government's agenda. So uh, let's hope that it will be. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have your say. High chance of showers, cloudy, maybe a thunderstorm later. Tops of 27 degrees, so it will be a little bit muggy. Uh, the Central Tablelands today. Good morning to our listeners via 2EL Orange. Today, high chance of showers around the Blue Mountains. There's also the chance of, uh, well, some showers elsewhere, but probably a little less likely. Maybe a thunderstorm as well. And tops of 25 degrees for Bathurst and Orange. 
And for the big North Coast, good morning to our listeners on FM uh, 93.5 and Radio 531 up there at Port Macquarie. Thanks to 40 Winks, Port Macquarie. Uh, they're our sponsor up there for Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, so for our listeners at Port and those on 6.39am 2HC Coffs Harbour, cloudy, the very high chance of showers again for you today. Maybe a thunderstorm, some heavy falls are possible with tops around 26 degrees. Well, what do you make of this Facebook situation? There are concerns that Facebook's news ban could lead to a rise in misinformation and hasten the spread of fake news. Not only has the ban impacted news media, but it has also affected health-related organisations. Professor, Professor Matthew Warren from RMIT Uni says the ban means, means there will be no authentic news available on the social media site. Well, I'm sorry, Matthew Warren, I just disagree. What do you mean no authentic news? What we do isn't authentic? There's plenty of authentic news. There just won't be, well, the mainstream media news. It doesn't mean that it, you know, what people, the other work that other independent journalists like myself and others who don't work for Nine or Fairfax or Murdoch, doesn't mean the work we do is not authentic. Surely. But what I do agree with is the fact that uh, Facebook has put people at risk by this ban. You know, suburban mothers groups, vital health services, even national treasures, Jimmy Barnes and others were wiped off Facebook in the wake of its big tech tantrum yesterday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it after the news at 6 o'clock. And we're going to hear from Trevor Long, who's our tech expert here on Marcus Paul in the morning. He's had a great rant about this situation, and he explains it perfectly. He'll be coming up after 6. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Should the Prime Minister of this country step aside? Because I believe, personally, that he's misled the Australian Parliament, he's misled the people of this country, and I don't buy for a moment... Anthony Albanese, that Scott Morrison did not know that this young woman had been allegedly raped inside, well, less, as you put it, less than 50 metres from his office. It's, it's inconceivable to me. It doesn't pass the pub test. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. Well, well it is quite extraordinary, uh, these revelations. And then also, if, uh, if the account of the Prime Minister is correct, how has the Defence Minister kept her job? What we need here is just transparency for people to, to say what happened and when. Uh, I think that Ms Higgins deserves uh, nothing less than that. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. All right, good morning. Welcome back to the program. Hello if you're just joining us for the first time on this Friday. It is February 19, 2021. The telephone number 131269 if you want to send me an email. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. And the text line is open for you. 0458 Well, a Liberal staffer from Scott Morrison's office was mortified after learning of the alleged rape of a woman at Parliament House. 
There are reports today from News Corp, and it's being picked up by everybody else, that a staffer sent a text to Brittany Higgins saying he'd spoken directly with the member of the Prime Minister's staff about the incident. Miss Higgins received a response saying the other staffer would discuss the allegations with the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff. Scott Morrison remains adamant that he only found out about the alleged attack last week. So obviously the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff or those within his office quite simply do not discuss these kinds of issues with the Prime Minister. I find it absolutely and utterly inconceivable. It's a Friday. Uh, We've got happy hour coming up after 8 o'clock this morning. We'll go a little lighter after 8. Amy Shark, Australian songstress, will join us on the program. But something special, not too far away. Uh, Look, David Renicky is a space expert. Those that listen to uh, the the radio network overnight will have heard David on numerous occasions uh, speak with my colleague Dave Sutherland uh, every, I think, Monday morning. Uh, The Daves talk about the latest in space. Well, one of the greatest moments in space history, apparently, is unfolding this morning. Mars Perseverance rover. Uh, There'll be a a landing that's broadcast live, and David will let us know all about it just after our 6.30 news. NASA's latest Mars rover will try for a dramatic touchdown on the red planet early this morning, our time. It's one of NASA's most important endeavours, the first multi-billion dollar Mars mission in nine years. Now, the rover, we're told, will be the first mission ever to attempt to collect rock samples for return to Earth. It will also search for signs of ancient alien life. It'll launch the first helicopter on the Red Planet and use microphones to capture Mars's sounds for the very first time. For the first time. Uh, Cameras, microphones will be on board and apparently we'll be able to see and hear the spacecraft as it enters Mars's atmosphere at some 20,000 kilometres an hour. Anyway, David will be on the program after our 6.30 news. It'll be interesting, really will be. Uh, There's been a lot of, I think there's absolutely been a a resurgence in uh, interest in space ever since, of course, SpaceX's work over the last few years. And SpaceX, of course, uh, you know, they've worked collaboratively with NASA and, you know, it's an exciting time. So we'll, we'll just do that. I thought we'd do that this morning because it's very interesting. So David Renicky, uh, space expert on the program just after our 6.30 news this morning. Meanwhile, we're very soon going to catch up with Jihad Dib, who's the Shadow Minister for Skills and TAFE in New South Wales. Labor are demanding that the Berejiklian government stop its attack on TAFE. After revelations, hundreds of jobs will be slashed from rural and regional New South Wales. The government has announced plans to act some 700 TAFE New South Wales jobs, including up to 470 jobs in regional New South Wales. Towns over the states need TAFE more than ever now, uh, but they say this government is systemically taking our TAFE system apart. It's all part of their plan, according to the opposition, to privatise 
Yes, we know how much Gladys and her mob, mob like privatisation. Well, anyway, Labor are concerned that TAFE will continually be dismantled and privatised over the coming years unless something is done about it. Thousands of young people and those trying to improve their skills or change careers rely on TAFE for the skills they need to get into the workforce. They rely on these staff members to help help them navigate the system. These cuts make TAFE lets less accessible in the middle of a recession the worst possible time. Okay, so we'll speak to Jihad Nib about this issue a little later on the program. And what about the Facebook story? Well, 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 I expected, of course, front page of News Corp newspapers to go hard on this face block. Social media giant's news ban lays bare its callous disregard for Australians. So apparently we've all united against Facebook, have we? Don't think so. But anyway, uh, take all of this reportage with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, my reading of this is that there's, you know, a big blue that's going on at the behest of News Corp. We know how close Scott Morrison is with Rupert Murdoch. Rupert's losing money left, right and centre. So he's asked his old mate Scott Morrison to get into a bit of a blue and a barney with... Mr. Zuckerberg from Facebook. And, well, Mark Zuckerberg is standing firm. So apparently the story is Australians have united against Facebook after the social media giant wiped essential health and emergency information in an effort to bully the federal government. Family violence support groups, child cancer charities, the Bureau of Meteorology and the New South Wales Fire Brigade all had pages blocked a site dedicated to missing boy William Tyrrell, and even the video clips of Rocker Jimmy Barnes were blocked. Was that necessarily a bad thing? Anyway, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison said it's an arrogant action to unfriend Australia. Unfriend Australia. A page honouring murder mother Hannah Clark, who was burned to death with her three children, was raised on the eve of the anniversary of this tragedy, of course, today is 12 months since Hannah Clark and her children were killed in Brisbane. But I think linking that to the actions of Facebook, a private company, is a little bit rich, even for News Corp. But anyway, the PM vowed to stand up to Facebook's act of bullying over new laws facing, are forcing social media companies to pay for news as he rallied world leaders worried about tech giants who think they are bigger than governments. Yeah, but, well, why doesn't the government set up its own social media platform? If you don't want to play ball with Facebook, a private company, why doesn't the federal government set up its own social media platform? Wouldn't the time be ripe to do that now? Of course, the concern with that is that it would be government-run and not private and that it could lead to further propaganda from, you know, Murdoch and his cronies at News Corp and, of course, the federal government. Look, what I don't uh, like is the fact that, yes, a number of very important means of people getting information, whether it's on bushfires, whether it's on floods, whether it's on emergency information, I don't like that part of what uh, Facebook have done. I absolutely don't like that. Uh, But when it comes to, I don't know, the blocking of Sky News, for instance, 
Hey, well, I'm not complaining. All right, what we'll do, um, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, uh, Jihad Dib on the program. And then I'll play a little of Trevor Long. Trevor, yeah, Trevor, that name may be familiar. Trevor is one of Australia's tech experts. He's gone on a giant rant last late yesterday on on his social media platform, which is still up, some of it anyway. Uh, he breaks down the whole issue for us. We've got a call into Trev, but he's very busy at the moment. We might not get him on the program today, but I will play his rant because he breaks it down perfectly. Trevor, of course, joins us on Marcus Paul in the morning each and every Tuesday with the latest in tech. But I'll get the details from Trevor. I'll play what he's had to say. But it does go to show how powerful social media is these days, especially Facebook. We'll find out what Mark Latham thinks of it. Uh, One Nation, Mark Latham, they're still up there in a number of... uh, See, those, I guess, media or politicians' profiles, we're still up there. Mark Latham's Facebook page is still up there. So you still can get access to news. It's just that you, you know, it can't be shared the way it used to be, which means that more and more Australians, I don't know, might have to look to alternate ways of getting their news by listening to programs like this. It'd be a great start, I think. What is going on with TAFE in New South Wales? There are suggestions that the Berejiklian government is about to cut a number of jobs, uh, up to 700 or so, in regional New South Wales. Jihad Dib is the Shadow Minister for Skills and TAFE. He'll be on the program right after this at 16 after 6. All right, Marcus Paul in the morning, 20 minutes after 6. New South Wales Labor are calling on the Premier to stop her attack on TAFE. After revelations, hundreds of jobs will be slashed from rural and regional New South Wales. It's a broken promise, according to Jodie McKay and her team. She's put out a press release. The Labor leader, along with Yasmin Catley, the deputy, and Jihad Dib, who's the Shadow Minister for Skills and TAFE, and I'm happy to say Jihad is on the program. Morning to you, mate. Good morning. How are you, Marcus? Well, thanks, buddy. Uh, the government's thanks, announced yeah. plans to act 700 TAFE jobs in regional New South Wales, um, well, up to 470 of them, the vast majority, from rural and regional New South Wales. It's not good. No, it's certainly not good enough. And uh, this is after the Deputy Premier and the Premier themselves, uh, about a year ago, said that there'd be no job losses uh, in the region. Ironically, Marcus, when uh, when I asked them about it yesterday in Parliament, they were questioning uh, where we got this information from and trying to talk it down. But the fact of the matter is this information actually came from tape themselves. You know, it's spelled out there in black and white. But, yeah. uh, you know, at a, t- at a time when there's a recession, at a time when we see we need people to increase their skills, mm. at a time of increasing youth unemployment, this is the worst decision that you can think of. Is it all about uh, a plan, do you think, uh, in the future to privatise the TAFE sector? Oh, well, 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 the actions over the past 10 years have, have been um, shown to sort of want to walk away from TAFE. And, and about a year ago, I raised the issue and I asked the question in Parliament about privatising TAFE. And 
we weren't given a straight answer. Ironically, Marcus, um, only on Tuesday I moved an amendment that basically said, um, you know, this house rules out the further private rules out privatisation and any further campus sales, and uh, they voted against that. Now they'll say we're not privatising, we're not selling assets, and yet they would vote against that. So I think it's pretty clear what they what they're really doing is they're walking away from a commitment to provide the public provision of vocational education. In the ideal world for the coalition government, mm. they wouldn't be responsible for TAFE. All the skills would be run privately, and that's a real problem, particularly in the region. All right, the unemployment rates in New South Wales sits at around 14.7%. Um, the for, boss... for, you, for you, for you. Yeah. For, for you, that's, that's yes. For you. Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, and leader Jody McKay says the Deputy Premier must explain why he has broken a key promise to rural and regional New South Wales. I mean, he's the Nationals leader in the state. The Nationals are supposed to be looking after constituents in the bush. Uh, I mean, Mr Barillaro perhaps isn't doing that. As you say, he stepped in and vowed that no jobs would be cut from rural and regional New South Wales when the government sought to slash jobs from the state-owned energy provider Essential Energy. He said basically no jobs would go, uh, but, I mean, it appears that they will be. Yeah, well, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that way. And, uh, look, we all know John Barillaro is very passionate about uh, the job and he, he's not afraid to um, wear his heart on his sleeve and certainly say things that, um, you know, sound really good. But, again, what we're seeing is what's being said and the actions are very different. Really, if I'm in the regions, I'd be asking my local MP there anywhere. I'd be asking him, what are you doing to protect these jobs? What are you doing to protect my jobs? We know that jobs are hard to come by. We know that something like uh, working in the public service is really important because yeah. money, that's, money that's spent in the regions will then contribute in a much better effect. But um, what, what, I'm, what, I'm amazed, what I'm amazed by, Marcus, is the response from the government. Uh, apart from a complete denial, they, they claim that only 50 positions are going to be lost. Um, and I thought, well, hang on a second. If 50 people are going to be losing their jobs, why have we got the information that says there's going to be 495 in the student services section and yeah. 183 in the, um, you know, like in the maintenance and, and the facilities management section? And then even if you go further, how is it possible then that these 700 positions only affect 50 people? Are they saying that 50 people do the job of 700 positions? There's, no, it doesn't. They, add they don't up. want to face up. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't add up at all. I mean, the, the communities in regional New South Wales are doing it tough. We know that we've had bushfires, we've had floods, we've got the global pandemic. Cuts to TAFE New South Wales are only going to make an already dire situation worse. Uh, I mean, when you talk about TAFE jobs on the chopping block. There's student advisors, customer support officers, field officers, fee help coordinators and help desk operators. I mean, positions for workers to remain and secure TAFE campuses, including tradespeople, security officers and tool store persons are also in jeopardy. Yeah, and so, and so that, that's a really great summation there, Marcus, of, of what's actually going on. And, and interestingly, the Premier says yesterday, oh, these aren't, you know, effectively, these are the back office positions. Well, no, these are critical positions that are required in any organisation, especially in the TAFE organisation. So if you're a student and you're looking to enrol in the course, it's your VFET helpers, it's your, um, it's your student support managers, it's all your operators that will help you out, find the right place, have the local connection. When it comes to regions, you don't want to enrol by talking to somebody. So you're in Dubbo, you don't want to be ringing somebody who's, say, in, um, you know, in Campbelltown. You want to speak to somebody who knows the lay of the land in Dubbo. You want to talk yeah. to somebody who knows the local things, what the courses are. This is all about 
what they like to term this idea of we're improving the experience. They're not improving the experience. And I go to I go to TAFE and visit them, and very very sadly they look like ghost towns. Now TAFE should be thriving. We Absolutely. saw TAFE. Mm. We, we saw TAFE, especially with the bushfire recovery and COVID. When you really make an effort in TAFE, people will enrol there in the short courses. They want to improve their skills. For many communities in the regions, TAFE is the anchor. It's the only opportunity for them to get further education. And to walk away from that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, they could put all sorts of spin on it. But the fact of the matter is, if they actually allowed a proper debate on it, there's no way possible that we'd see anything other than the fact that they want to walk away from TAFE. All right, They're selling TAFE campuses. Okay, good to have you on. We'll talk more on this and we'll continue the fight. Thank you very much, Jihad. Pleasure. Thanks, Marcus. Have a good one. You too, mate. mate. Jihad Dib, Shadow Minister for Skills and TAFE in New South Wales. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back to the program. 131269. <laughs> Getting a few emails from that earlier caller I had this morning. Old mate who was completely and utterly off the planet. Have you lost something, Lee? Yes, I've lost you, a goat. You've lost a goat? No, you have no idea, honestly. Well, no, <laughs> I, I'm hoping that you'll give me some sort of idea. So you've lost a goat. How, how the hell have you lost a goat? I lost a goat in an old uh, gold mine. Yeah, well, um, on that, Scott says, on the email, MP in the morning at 2SM Super Network, uh, Scott says, on your earlier Cephala caller, I think the man's blue healer was retrieving magic mushrooms instead of truffles. Enjoy the weddings you're off to today and your weekend, Marcus. Yeah, two weddings today to get to. Uh, Mark, the goat down the hole in Bathurst. (laughs) Good morning, Marcus. I also have a story to share. In brief, I have a cockatoo and he keeps wandering down the road to the chicken farm. The guy that owns the chicken farm has rung me a few times and he's not happy with my cockatoo having his wicked way with his chickens. (laughs) I've told the cockatoo I'm going to shave off his golden crest if he continues wandering off down the road to the chicken farm and he is also not happy. Stay tuned. I will let you know the outcome. (laughs) Cheers, Mark, from the Gold Coast. (laughs) See, he started something. That uh, crazy caller from Safala, he was definitely on another planet. Speaking of other planets, a very exciting day today, uh, we're told. As, well, for the first time in a long time, NASA are apparently uh, about to land on Mars, the Mars Perseverance rover. Let's get the expert opinion on this. And you might have heard of this gentleman before, David Renicki. He's a space expert. He's a, he reports on all things space. You'll hear him on our network, the Super Radio Network, on the overnight show. Uh, I think every Monday morning with uh, my colleague Dave Sutherland. Uh, but it's exciting, uh, particularly for those who love uh, the venture into outer space. And it's a, you know, it's it's a really good escape. It really is to, to get away from all of the, the nastiness of what's going on in Canberra and the politics of day-to-day uh, operations here in New South Wales. But David Reddick is with us on the program. Good morning to you, David. Well, thanks for the intro, Mark. It's good to be with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this, and I think the whole world will be pretty soon too. Excellent. You've got to be tuned into it to like it. 
Tell me all about what's happening. So we've got latest, uh, NASA's latest Mars rover uh, a touching down on the red planet. Has it touched down yeah. yet? Okay, one, one hour, 16 minutes to go, Marcus. I'm watching a countdown clock that NASA have, uh, you know, courtesy supplied to everybody who wants to tune into it. On my website, there's a link to it. Well, in a nutshell, what's happening here is that we're seeing a vehicle arrive at Mars. Okay, there's been quite a few before. And Mars is the only planet inhabited by robots, and we sent them there. But this is a little bit different. This is the closest thing to a living, breathing human being we're ever going to send to another world. Yeah. It's called Jezero Crater, is where they want to land. It's about 40k wide. Now, we think with an inland sea, Marcus, at one stage, there could be salt sediments there. There may be evidence of past life, microbial life. We don't know. But we do know that this vehicle is, uh, has been travelling for over six months to get to Mars. It's very close to it now. 7.48 New South Wales time. It, um, this morning. it should come into the atmosphere. Okay. What's going to happen here? Why this is different? Mm-hmm. It's got onboard cameras left, right and centre and facing upwards. And it's got microphones on there too. Very sensitive mics. So we're not, going to, we're not only going to see this thing come down live yeah. with that time lag, of course, of about eight, nine minutes, but we're going to hear it too as it comes down. NASA are warning everybody about the seven minutes of terror. That's a standard procedure. Yeah. From the time it enters the atmosphere at 20,000 K an hour, around about 20 minutes to, uh, to 8, yeah. uh, or quarter to 8 at the latest, it'll be moving at 20,000 K, slowing down by parachute. This parachute is 21 metres wide. We should see it unfold. Then it's going to be dropped down on wires. Little jets are going to come out from underneath it and gently lower the vehicle onto the surface of Mars. Well, this is... When it gets there, it's going to radio yeah. back saying, look, I'm home, yeah. I'm here. And that's basically what we're going to watch happen live. Wonderful. It's one of NASA's most important endeavours, the first multi-billion dollar Mars mission in, what, in nearly a decade. It'll be the first yeah. mission ever to attempt to collect rock samples for a turn yeah. back here to Earth. It'll also search for signs of ancient alien life and <laughs> launch the first helicopter on the red planet. Yeah, now that's something I'm glad you brought that up. Look, in about a week's time, Mark, it could be a little bit longer, they're going to drop a little drone out from underneath there. Now, this is an amazing vehicle. It's got two big blades on it, very wide blades, and they're going to try and fly this drone or a helicopter, if you will, over Mars. See, the mm. problem before is with the rovers we've had there, they've only been able to go about 1 or 2k an hour. We've never been more than 30k on the planet, and that's not much to do a survey on. So now we can fly over areas that we haven't been to before. The whole point of this is to look for places for human habitation because between now and the year 2050, we're going to be crawling all over this place. The first people to walk on Mars have already been born. Marcus, the first people to colonise this world being born now. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And, and you're watching it. Uh, where can people mm. go to get a, a live feed? I want to direct them uh, the traffic your way, David. So what's uh, your web address? Uh, com. D-A-V-I-D-R-E-N-E-K-E.com. Marcus, on there I've got links to nasa.gov, so if anyone gets stuck, just go to nasatv.gov. But on my page there's a whole rundown, on. Uh, there's quite a few links you can go and have a look at. I would say the mainstream TV shows too, the brekkie shows might, uh, might come in, but, but going on your computer... 
you're going to watch this live and watch the whole thing start to finish. I think it's going to be great. Look, in a world that's just full of COVID problems, we've yes. got Facebook issues now. Mm. The world's in a bit of a downer mode. And this is a little bit of a, an up-spirit thing, I think. It just galvanises the entire world. It's something happy and something to look forward to. And it's the future of where we're going to go in space. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean... <laughs> As you say, you call it the seven seconds of terror. That's how long... Seven minutes. I beg your pardon, seven minutes. <laughs> so you're the expert. Yeah. Seven minutes of terror. This spacecraft yeah. will enter Mars's atmosphere uh, just after 7.30 our time this morning hmm. at some 20,000 kilometres an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and if something went wrong with this, yeah. we wouldn't know about it for about 10 minutes. Yeah. See, these people are working with a time lag of about 10 minutes. That's sure. how long it takes. You know, for radio signal likes coming out of 2SM at the moment yeah. to, uh, to reach us here. So it's going to be a nail-biter. And uh, look, there's so many things that can go wrong with this. Mm. People might say, why go there? What the heck is the use of it? I think they said the same thing in 1933 about Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Why would you want to buy land there? Why would Cook want to come here? When he arrived here, he thought, no, one, no one's going to come, want to come here. Too far away. These are the things that drove Columbus on to discover the new world. This is what we do. We're a nation. We're a world. We're a species of people, Marcus, yeah. that are curious, and we're, we're explorers. And this is what, what we're doing at the moment. All right. Well, make sure you get on David's site, please, this morning. What time, what's the best time? I mean, you can hop on there now while you've got us. Uh... Yeah, go there. Go there any time. But this, this event happens in uh, just just about an hour's time, so I'd be ready for it. My, my website will give you the, well, the directions you need there, Marcus. Yep. All right. All the W's.DavidRenicky.com. But I have a, we've got a link up uh, to your page on hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. It'll be an interesting one. David, great to touch base with you, mate. Let's uh, let's talk further on uh, the excitement of more space exploration. You're right. It's a great distraction from all the rubbish that's right. going on here on Earth. Right, thanks to you, Marcus. Thank all you. right, mate. All the best. See you later. David Renicky. Interesting. Really interesting. DavidRenicky.com. Yeah, well, I think it's exciting. Yep. NASA's latest Mars rover will try for a dramatic touchdown on the red planet early this morning our time. It's one of NASA's most important endeavours, the first multi-billion dollar Mars mission in nearly a decade. Look, we spoke about this briefly yesterday morning after there was a story run on Sky on the Alan Jones show. I saw Alan and Peter Cochran. Uh, Peter, of course, uh, he's a former Nationals MP, but in recent years he's been known for his ongoing lobbying for Brumby protection in the Kosciuszko National Park. Now, Alan and Peter in their conversation said that currently Kosciuszko rangers are trapping Brumbies and then sending them off to Anakery. Uh, the claims also is that the mares are being separated from foals. It is foaling season, and the foals are being orphaned and running wild simply to become victims of feral dogs. And goodness knows what else. Now, they didn't hold back on blaming the Minister for Environment, McKean, on his mishandling of the issue. So let's find out a little bit more. Peter's on the program. Morning to you, Pete. Nice to talk to you again, mate. Good morning, Marcus. All right. Look, I know it's a contentious issue. I uh, I 
absolutely 100% respect the wonderful work that you've done. And I know that it's, you know, it's difficult because you've got, you've got a lot of people up against you. The latest counts of Brumbies is, I guess, at odds with what you believe are the numbers, the real numbers in the Kosciuszko National Park. What I don't like and what I can't understand is that we'd have a government that would allow foals and, uh, you know, there are the foals being... Uh, taken from their mums and just been left to fend for themselves. I think that's inhumane. I don't like the fact that previously I've heard that there's been baiting of these horses in the National Park, etc. What are we going to do about this? Marcus, it's barbaric behaviour, but it's not only barbaric. And Matt Keane has to take full responsibility for what's going on up there. The the rangers and the people who administer the park and responsible for the park, the National Park's rangers, are simply administering his policy. And the policy they're, they're implementing at the moment was founded in 2008. And there is a new policy in place as a consequence of legislation that went through the New South Wales Parliament uh, at the behest of uh, our local member, John Barlow, Deputy yes. Premier. Yep. And... Th- the, the consequence of that should have been that two panels were formed to make a decision on future management of the park. They've done that. They've delivered their findings and their report and their recommendations to the minister, and he's not acting on them. Now, that's irresponsible. The fact is, part of the democratic process is when legislation goes through uh, the parliament, it gives direction to a minister as to what they should do on behalf of the people. That is the democratic process. Now, this fellow Keane is totally ignoring that. And the fact is that the the people of the the Snow Mountains, the supporters of the Brumbies, supported the legislation, supported the the outcomes. They they don't know what's in the recommendations yet because nobody's seen the report apart from the minister. So what we're saying is to the minister, Matt Keane, it's time that you implemented whatever the policies were that were formed as a consequence of the legislation. Now, in the meantime, the trapping goes on, and I was up in the park yesterday, and in the vicinity of the Snowy 2 project, which is a a magnificent project going on at Tantangra Dam, in the the Karungo Valley, where the Tantangra Dam is located, I was reported to me that there were 200 Brumbies on on the western foreshore of the lake. Now, they're not trapping there. That's an area where there is impact, there certainly should be, the numbers should be reduced. And in that valley, I've seen on a sunny day up to 400 horses. Mm. Now, that's where they should be trapping, but they're not trapping there. What they're doing is using the 2008 uh, management plan to trap in areas outside there where those Brumbies which are, have, have more significance to the Brumby supporters, they're trapping them, and they're trapping them in large numbers. And the process provides for traps to be erected with feed bait, which is generally grain and and the like, and salt. And the horses go in there, and it's indiscriminate. When the horses go in there, the foals are left on the outside or the inside, whatever it is, separated from their mothers. Then they have to go through this barbaric process of trying to reunite them. In the meantime, the foal runs off, the mare runs off, whoever's on the outside. They're not going to hang about and wait, for goodness sake. And if the foals left, and we've seen the foals wandering around there, orphaned by by the process, and they're left to be killed by the, the wild feral dogs. So, you know, this, this is just inc- unconscionable, uh, Marcus. And I can't believe that a Liberal Prime Minister, a minister who I would have v- voted for probably if he'd, I'd have been his elected, and I can't believe that somebody can, can do this. 
mm. and totally ignore the legislation and the recommendations that have been that, that he directed. All it's right. just beyond me. We know, Peter, that a spring 2020 population survey, survey estimated the, that there were more than 14,000 Brumbies across Kosciuszko National Park. That's why New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro... Uh, said that, that he thought that number was too high. He said a sustainable number is around three to 4,000, but many Brumby advocates, including yourself, believe there are, in fact, far fewer than 14,000 Brumbies in the park and that removing the wild horses isn't the answer. Well, what is the answer, mate? Well, well the, the answer is to get a methodology which works. I mean, they have themselves, they being National Parks and Wildlife Service and the Minister and all those concerned with the count, have admitted themselves that their first count was wildly wrong when they claimed there were 30,000 up there, 4,000 in an area where they've been lucky to be 150, for goodness sake. Now, I'm riding about up there five days a week. I'm in amongst the horses all the time, and I know that there are not 10,000 horses there. There are not 20,000 or 30,000, whatever it is, but they have admitted themselves in their first claim that there were 30,000. Then they reduced it to 20,000, then to 10,000. Now that they're, they're saying that, you know, we have to have a uh, a number which we aim at, which might be around about 600 or 2,000, whatever it is. Well, this is this is totally wrong. The, the methodology they're using, the formula they're applying, is just wrong. When they've counted the horses on the northern side of the Kosciuszko National Park, they've come up with 13 or 1,400. Well, guess what? That's probably what's there. Yeah, sure. And, you know, all it's I a lot less than 14,000, isn't it, mate? And, and they won't listen to the locals. So I understand there's a meeting arranged for later on in March sure. uh, when we'll get an opportunity to, to voice our, our opinions on, on numbers uh, to the authorities, and that'll be locals. Well, good on you. Four years after you started this process, when you completely botched it and engaged in some of the most barbaric, cruel behaviour you could imagine, they're now going to allow us those who are locals who understand the situation to have input. Too late, fellas. Too late. There's mares and foals been separated, foals been killed, and it goes on and on. And uh, it's time the people got off their bums and did something about it. I mean, it's, those of us who have been involved in this market for some years are exhausted, apart from the fact we've had drought, bushfire, we've been almost wiped out by bushfire, mm. and now this confounded uh, COVID. And we, like, the people are exhausted. If they think we've run out of energy, yes, we have. The Invasive Species Council has run this campaign against the Brumbies. It's become very but, political, hasn't it, Peter? Well, it, it has. And the Invasive Species Council, which is not a government authority, by the way, and neither is the National Parks Association. Yeah, right. There are a bunch of greenies and, and lefties and people who, you know, take this sort of project on uh, in order to cause as much confusion in the community and divide the community as much as they can. That's the, that seems to be their theme. Well, why and aren't... We're the, ones that yeah. have to, we're the ones that have to counter it with, that, with yeah. no resources. Well, you're the ones, that, I guess, that are in the area. You know uh, better than most is, you know, what's happening uh, down there in the Kosciuszko National Park. You live it, you breathe it. Uh, your critics say, of course, that, you know, you run your own horse tracking and all the rest of it, so it's in your best interests to, you know, to, to have as many horses there, wild horses or whatever, in the area. The facts are that you claim the numbers are far less the one, the the way that the government is trying to translocate these horses is inhumane because a number of the, the the young foals are being left to barbarically be killed by other wild animals. I mean, the whole thing is an absolute mess, and I think it's high time the government 
put a stop to all of the politicisation, whether and, and everybody needs to come together, Peter, yourself, the Invasive Species Council, the state government, Matt Keane, everybody, even include the opposition, uh, you know, get our hashtag koala warrior up there, uh, Kate Washington involved as well, sit down around the table and nut out a solution that's acceptable to all parties. All we want to do is deal with the truth. Yep. That's all we want to do. We're not getting it. Simple and speaking that. of the truth, are you having issues with Facebook? You can't get your message out there. Is that well, right? Or? I just reported to Justin on the panel there that yeah. uh, I tried to post on our bug spray uh, Facebook page that I was going to be speaking to you this morning as I normally give a media alert to my supporters. Sure. And uh, I wasn't able to do it. As soon as I, I typed in 2SM and Marcus Paul, mm. uh, it dropped out and, I, and uh, I, it reported an error. So okay. there you go, mate. You're on the hit list. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, our page is still up there. Uh, when I say yep. our page, our, our profile for, for the program. Uh, so I think, and that's okay. I mean, in fairness, most uh, presenters like myself, I know Fordham's still up there and a few others. I mean, our pages are still there, uh, but you simply can't share news to our platforms. On, and we can't do it either. We need to create our own content. So not to worry, people. We'll make sure that people are aware that you and I have spoken this morning. And as we podcast, as we, each, as we do each and every day, the program, our conversation we're having right now will be available for your supporters to listen to. So just direct them, if you want, to our page. And that podcast will be up around lunchtime. And they'll be able to listen back to our chat this morning, mate. Okay? Marcus, interestingly, the interview that I did with Jonesy uh, was one of the last that I was able to place an alert on our on our bug spray program. So that occurred at the time when the announcements were being made. But since then, I haven't been able to do it. Yep. There you go. It's it's a shame. It really is. And and look, when when issues of importance like this come up, that's where I think, unfortunately, this whole face block situation has become very difficult. Thank you, mate, for your time. I really appreciate it. Good luck. All the best. There he is, Peter Cochran. I mean, he's a, a very passionate man. He uh, he lives and breathes the Kosciuszko National Park. So I think it's in the government's and everybody's best interest to listen to this man and what he has to say about the Brumby population. Look, there's no doubt, uh, and I, you know, I don't know whether Pete would concur with my thoughts, but in my opinion, there's enough evidence out there to suggest that obviously there is some kind of damage being done by wild brumbies in Kosciuszko. But I think the damage is over-exaggerated. You know, if you, if Pete says there are less than three or 4,000 horses there, well, then they can't be causing the kind of damage that some claim they are. There's little doubt that some of them do, and that's why they perhaps need to be translocated or we need to have a sustainable number. I mean, even John Barillaro, the Deputy Premier, says the sustainable number of, of wild horses or brumbies in Kosciuszko should be around three to 4,000. Well, Pete reckons that's all there is now. So no further action at this stage is required. You've got to remember a number of brumbies, wild horses, were unfortunately killed during the recent bushfires. Anyway, it's an issue that I think is of importance. I mean, it's, it's on the list. It's not at the top of the list, but it's still certainly something that we need to think about. You know, there's heritage involved and also the environment. So uh, let's get, as I mentioned to Peter, why can't we get everybody around the table? And why can't Matt Keane stop politicising the issue 
stop having different organisations like the Invasive Species Council and others gang up perhaps on those who are living and breathing the Kosciuszko National Park who think that perhaps everything's been over-exaggerated. All righty, 13 12 69, the telephone number to have you say. You know, when it comes to building, why don't you consider... Well, David Rennick, it was right. Uh, I see the Sunrise program have already crossed to NASA this morning, um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep we'll keep you uh, uh, informed as to what's happening there uh, with the Mars rover landing on Mars. Our frontline heroes during the COVID nineteen pandemic are being honoured with a new set of stamps from Australia Post. The series pays tribute to healthcare workers, defence force members, and police, as well as teachers and other essential service workers, including posties and supermarket staff. What a great idea! Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Welcome back to the program on this Friday. It is Feb 19, and it's great to have you company wherever you're listening to us. Our open line number is 13 12 69. Look, I'm getting a, a stack of messages, and I'm a little disappointed, I have to say, because it sounds a lot like some victim blaming to me. Uh, I won't identify the, uh, the emailers and those that are sending me notes on our... Facebook page, yes, we're still up there, which is wonderful. Uh, But the latest that I've got is from a woman who says, seems like everybody has to remember everything around the story of the alleged assault except the person herself. Doesn't remember anything herself except telling him to stop. So I basically have come back saying, yes, remember she was intoxicated. It's more about a duty of care that should have occurred. And the lovely emailer has then come back and said, well, maybe she should have a duty of care to herself in the first place. Really? It sounds a lot like victim blaming to me. Whether or not you're intoxicated, it does not give somebody the right to sexually assault you, allegedly. Uh, You know... uh, this whole, it's a little like that moron, uh, and I've, I've, I've done a lot of work on this bloke, and so many people have made contact to the program, and I've, I've got screenshots of this fella who turns around and victim blames as well. I mean, it's, is it bad enough that the, the woman at the centre of these, uh, these allegations feels that the Prime Minister is ghosting her and victim blaming her? But what about some other people? on the periphery who are getting their five seconds of fame, if you like, over the whole incident. And I, I speak, of course, of... I'm just trying to get this this thing up here. It's, it shouldn't be too far away on my page. But uh, there's a bloke who's... I don't know. Here he is. Bernard Gaynor. Who the hell is this imbecile? Bernard Gaynor. He's apparently a, a lobbyist. He's a, a former uh, bloke who served in our military who was kicked out of the military because, well, he's nothing more than a moron. If you don't want to get raped, don't get drunk and fall asleep with some bloke in your office. It's that simple, kind of like locking your car. Can you believe there are people out there that are allowed to espouse these kinds of views on social media? 
I think this bloke still has his Twitter account up and he's doubled down on a number of these uh, awful tweets. And this bloke, I'm told, has links to the Liberals. For God's sake. Uh, this bloke's a moron. I got a note from former MP Emma Hussar about this guy overnight. This imbecile Bernard Gaynor. Maybe we should, Justin, maybe we should tweet him a message inviting him to come on the program and explain why he thinks it's appropriate. Apparently he's a, a real right-wing lunatic who espouses the Bible and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, he's a bit of a religious freak. Not that there's anything wrong with religion, but I believe um, this bloke is dangerous. Bernard Gaynor. Anyone know about him? Thirteen twelve sixty nine. the telephone number... Okay, so the latest on this incident, of course, is that a staffer from Scott Morrison's office was mortified after learning of the alleged rape of a woman at Parliament House. News Corp reports a staffer sent a text to Brittany Higgins saying he'd spoken directly with a member of the Prime Minister's staff about the incident. Miss Higgins received a message saying the other staffer would discuss the allegations with the Chief of Staff. When did this happen? Well, this happened two weeks after the incident back in 2019. But the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is adamant he only found out about the alleged attack last week. I don't know. I really don't know. What is becoming very apparent to me is that Defence Minister Linda Reynolds, who broke down yesterday in the Senate when being quizzed on this issue, is about to be thrown under the bus. There's a growing number of Liberal MPs who believe that the Defence Minister, Linda Reynolds, should resign over her handling of a reported sexual assault in her office. Senator Reynolds yesterday defended her decision not to tell Prime Minister Scott Morrison of the alleged rape of former staffer Brittany Higgins out of concern for her welfare and privacy. But she said she was deeply sorry she had added to Miss Higgins' distress. Well, just on that alone, I believe Reynolds should go. I mean, you've got to remember as well, Miss Reynolds and her wonderful staffers thought it was appropriate to bring this woman, this young woman who alleged sexual assault on the couch in Miss Reynolds' office. They thought it was appropriate to bring this young woman back into the very same office the alleged attack occurred in. While the Prime Minister is standing by his Senator, Senator Reynolds, at least five Liberal MPs have apparently told the Herald they believe she should resign questioning why there appeared to have been up to five days between when she was informed of the alleged assault and when she met with Miss Higgins. One MP said her failure to directly alert the Prime Minister or his office showed a serious lack of judgment. Mr Morrison has publicly rebuked Senator Reynolds and yesterday said Miss Higgins had not been properly supported. Well, I don't know. I suspect that the Defence Minister of our country is about to be thrown under a tank. Now, forget about a bus. She'll be the fall guy, for want of a better word, over this. Separately, former High Court Justice Kenneth Hayne condemned sexual harassment and victim blaming in the legal profession, urging senior lawyers to deliver blunt messages aimed at curbing unacceptable behaviour. Mr Hayne QC said sexual harassment shames the perpetrator and not the victim and must be called out for what it is, an absolute and utter abuse of power. Well, it is. It is. The Prime Minister 
and those around him need to be held accountable for inaction that left this young woman extremely vulnerable. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Alright, 13 12 69, my telephone number. The State Parole Authority has confirmed the revocation of parole order for Milton Orcopolis will stand. This decision follows a review hearing during which the SPA heard Orcopolis was convicted and sentenced in December for failing to comply with reporting conditions. This bloke is a danger. He has no business being on, well, anywhere in our community. The disgraced former politician had his parole revoked in February last year and has been in custody ever since. The sentence for which his parole was revoked expires in October. I think uh, we need to do everything we possibly can to keep this convicted pedophile behind bars. Uh, Craig, are you there, mate? Good morning, Marcus. I'll give you two examples of the decay of modern Australia. I say the Brittany Higgins thing in Parliament House. I say it defies, you know, credulity that, uh, you know, that the Prime Minister's office didn't know about it. And, uh, you know, and also how embarrassing and how humiliating that rugby league has to get the police commissioner on board to try and, and control its players to be upstanding, decent citizens. Well, yes. Uh, look, I don't know uh, about the p- police commissioner. <laughs> I don't know whether he should be playing a role. Uh, I think he needs to... I mean, look what's happening in Western Sydney at the moment. Uh, there's a far greater issue, and I'm, I'm not discounting the or d- downplaying the significance of footballers behaving badly, but the police commissioner should be focused, in my opinion, on you know gang violence and shootings, public place shootings that are going on in Western Sydney. Around, I mean, just the other day we had a nurse in Auburn injured by a, a stray bullet that was fired into a property just behind the Auburn Hospital. I think the police commissioner needs to absolutely steer clear of anything to do with the National Rugby League right at this moment and focus on what's happening in Western Sydney and keep innocent people safe from, obviously, what's become an all-out an all gang war in, on the streets of Western Sydney. Marcus, as he said, be careful what you wish for. You have a string of NRL players up before the courts. <laughs> I don't know, mate. I, I just... I'd... I don't know why uh, there is this, you know, well, not GB. I couldn't give stuff about the National Rugby League, to be honest. I really I really couldn't. Um, you know, uh, footballers, professional footballers being paid upwards, you know, three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. As far as I'm concerned, if, if they find themselves before the courts for a serious allegation of violence, well, then scrub them out of the game. I'm sick to death of wasting my breath on talking about them. You know, if I was involved in a serious allegation involving an assault, sexual or otherwise, I'd be gone. I wouldn't be able to be sitting here in this chair and broadcasting what I... For so long, for so, we're, we're, we're extremely soft. Why? Well, because money talks, that's why. You know, yeah, but I'm a little bit annoyed about uh, that story, as you can tell. The police minister, or I beg your pardon, the police commissioner of New South Wales should not involve himself in the matters of the National Rugby League. 
what he should be, first and foremost, is keeping the people of Western Sydney safe. I mean, here's another example. A man will face court today after, uh, after being charged with another shooting. This happened in Sydney's West overnight. At around a quarter past 11 last night, police were called to the intersection of Richmond Road and Cooper Street, Cambridge Gardens, after reports of gunshots. Gunshots. Officers from Nepean Police Area Command attended and found a 34-year-old man on Cooper Street suffering a gunshot wound to his leg. He was taken to Westmead Hospital in a stable condition. He will undergo surgery. Police attended a nearby home on Richmond Road where they arrested a 42-year-old man. A crime scene was set up and a sawn-off shotgun was seized. It'll undergo forensic examination. Now, this bloke was taken to Penrith Police Station and charged with discharging a firearm, intending to cause grievous bodily harm, etc., etc., etc. I mean, he was refused bail. He'll be at Penrith Local Court today. These are the things that our police commissioner needs to concern himself with. Not what's going on in the National Rugby League. And the National Rugby League needs to, I don't know, set aside their interests in, insofar as protecting the game's image and, you know, covering their backsides money-wise and rub these people out, those that are bringing the game into disrepute. It's all very, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we've got blokes who have been up on monstrous charges still playing the game. And yet a fellow who simply quotes a Bible passage is not allowed anywhere near the game in Israel Folau. For goodness sake, politicians need to stay the hell out of sport. And the police commissioner, who's appointed by the Premier, it's a political appointment, he should steer clear of involving himself in the National Rugby League. Let the league, it's a, you know, it's a professional sporting organisation that makes millions upon millions of dollars each and every year. They need to clean up their own backyard while the police commissioner and others employed as public servants by the people of New South Wales need to damn well clean up our backyards first before involving themselves in the National Rugby League. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, we're not too far away from the 7.30 news. Have a seat there, old scruff. How are you? Feeling good, Marcus. All right. For a Friday. I'm going to fess up. Yes, you, you woke me this morning. <laughs> it's just been one of those days. You see, I uh, I got a lot of sleep yesterday because I've got not one but two weddings to go to today. I've got my uh, my my beautiful sister Emma, who will marry Glenn today, up at Barawa just after lunchtime. Okay, so I'm all prepared for that. That's good. Are and, you doing a speech? Uh, no, Brother it's, speech. it's that's a, embarrassing. It's a smallish type okay, wedding. Right. And then once that's finished. I've got to rush down to Barrel because I have another wedding to attend to, and it's my gorgeous Ash, my new fiancé's brother, yep. who's getting married today. And this morning, he slept in. I d- well, <laughs> I, you know. There was no Marcus at five o'clock. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> I was on the bridge pedalling as fast as I could. And I got the call. Well, I actually got the call from you. And... Um, I thought it was my alarm going off. No, it was it's Justin just, going, where are you, Marcus? Just the radio show to do this morning. <laughs> it's <laughs> never, much. ever happened before. No. It hasn't. Oh, no, it's, in honesty, but it's... But it ne- happens to everyone. It has, has happened and to I me. Could, you know, it all, and I'm, I'm, I'm so 
well prepared for today. I'd yeah. mind everything. It's all set out there, ready to go. I'd set my alarm even for half an hour earlier this morning <laughs> to have a get up, have a shave. I'm unshaven. I'm unkempt. You look like me today. <laughs> scruff. I'm kind of calling you Scruff. And I thought the alarm was going off and it was you ringing saying, where the hell are you? It's not been a good start. But the day will get a lot better. Oh, it's got to get better. Love is in the air, Marcus. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Scruffles. <laughs> right on 7.30. Now that's news time. Marcus, Paul in the morning. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Okay. Uh, it's 23 minutes away from 8 o'clock. One Nations. Uh, leader in New South Wales, of course, is Mark Latham. I think I'm going to have a blue with Mark Latham this morning over Jody McKay. All right, I've got the boxing gloves ready. Mark will be on the program in just a couple of moments. Now, it is a Friday, and as you know, after 8 o'clock on Fridays, we get into what we call happy hour. And in the last couple of weeks, what, last week um, we had Kate Sobrano. The week before, we had a beautiful uh, classical pianist, Van Nguyen, who came on the program. Uh, That was wonderful. Uh, Today, we're going a little bit younger. Okay, one of Australia's best singer-songwriters at the moment, most successful. Uh, she's in the charts all the time, and she appears on uh, you know the Aria Awards and all the rest of it. She's very much in demand. She's from the Gold Coast. She's a young woman, and she's just a, a sprightly, lovely girl. You know, she's the kind of girl you'd think would just be the girl next door. She's that down to earth. Amy Shark. Amy's got a, a new song out that, funnily enough, features some really good talent. Not only is Amy talented herself, but she's done a, co- a collaboration with none other than Ed Sheeran. How did that come about? Well, I'll ask her. She'll be our special guest just after 8 o'clock as we get stuck into happy hour this morning. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh, my goodness, John Laws. We're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, Mark Latham. All right, at 19 to 8, One Nation's leader in New South Wales is Mark Latham. Morning to you, mate. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Marcus. A very good morning to you. Thank you very much. Uh, Just before, uh, I don't know whether you... Well, you'd be aware of it, I guess, but Kate Washington's been in touch with the program this morning saying, Marcus, it makes no sense. The Hunter Valley is entirely missing out on the first vaccination rollout. Sydney, the Central Coast, Wollongong and Port Macquarie are all in, but the Hunter has missed out on being one of the first towns or suburbs, if you like, to offer the COVID-19 vaccine. You know, uh, yourself, you're, you're up in that neck of the woods, it is the second biggest, uh, most populated area in the state. I wonder why that is the case, though. Well, it sounds ridiculous. Uh, shouldn't the priority be allocated according to need rather than picking certain geographic areas that have got to get the vaccine ahead of others? Isn't, isn't the way to roll it out, regardless of where you live, yeah. to look after the frontline uh, quarantine and health workers? Then the second priority would be the elderly, whether they live in the Hunter... Sydney, Illawarra, country, mm. New South Wales, that really shouldn't matter. Yeah. And then you get down into the, the general population. So that would be the logical way of doing this rollout and to discriminate against the Hunter Valley in this fashion is appalling. All right, well, we'll do some more work on this, but I think you and I might have our first, with respect, our first disagreements. I think Jody McKay's been unfairly targeted this week. I, I really do. Well, Marcus, uh, back in the day, for over a decade as a federal MP, uh, I had a lot of people 
wanting me to sign letters about immigration. And the rules of engagement always were that if you put your signature on a letterhead to do with immigration, you were supporting the application to either stay in the country or come here. And everyone knows that inside the political system. And it's incredible to think that Jody McKay signed letters as a state MP. I don't know why state MPs are signing immigration matters, which is a federal responsibility. Uh, you know, anyone who's come to my office in the past two years on immigration, I'd say, well, you better take it up with your federal MP sure. and your senator uh, for the reason that there's a lot of snakes hanging around that sector, immigration agents and other people who collect money yep. from the letter that's been signed. So it's a very dangerous area. So I think it was foolhardy for Jody McKay to get involved in this space in the first place. But to sign a letter that is then used to try and assist a convicted pedophile to have never met this person, mm. to have never uh, researched their background or found out the basics, that obviously he is of appalling character and should be deported from the country. Well, that's putting in a, a shocker. Jody McKay has put in an absolute shocker here and her position is untenable. Is it fair, though, for some to say that she's, she supports a pedophile? See, that's my concern. I, I, I think Jodie is a person of outstanding character. Uh, we know her background. She's called out uh, politically, uh, political corruption in the past. We know what happened up there in Newcastle, and well, in the Hunter, uh, quite a, a number of years ago. I just think some of the commentary on it's been very unfair. Uh, I mean, saying that she supports a pedophile, I think, is... To be quite frank, a smear on well, her She didn't character. know who he was. She'd never met him. He was in a detention centre. And one of his friends who lives in her electorate asked her to sign the letter. Yeah. And immediately she should have said, well, I don't know this person. I don't know anything about his background. I better yes. do some well, research. You, you tell, tell me who he is, what he's done. Yeah. And the net effect of her signing that letter was to go to the Administrative Appeals Tribunal where they regarded it as a letter of support for this pedophile. So, uh, Marcus, you've got to be responsible for your own actions in politics. And sure. signing letters not knowing where they're going, who they're about, what the person's done, is a recklessness that is not befitting someone who wants to be the uh, next Premier of, of New South Wales. All right. Um, will she go? I don't think she will. Well, she's certainly not of her no own volition. No, one, no one's ever going to vote in someone to be the Premier who, who did what we've just described. Because uh, John Robertson resigned as the Labor leader. He signed a, a letter in support of Man Monis about a domestic matter. And years later, uh, Monis uh, was responsible for the tragedy of the Lint Cafe terrorism siege. So Robertson went for something when he signed a letter. Yeah. And then, and then the uh, person he was supporting uh, put in, you know, the criminal activities. Uh, this bloke that Jody McKay has signed up for, uh, it was already known that he was a convicted pedophile, but she couldn't be bothered to find out. See, Marcus, some MPs get yeah. way too close mm. to so-called ethnic community leaders. And if you're becoming a letter-signing factory, just churning them out... Yeah, but that's unfair, Mark. Who's, ...who's representing these Mark, people, that's unfair. dangerous. No, to say that she's a letter-signing factory, that, see, that's a, part of the, uh, that's a part of the commentary that I... I don't like. Uh, I think it's. I think that's very unfair. She's not well, a letter. Well, colleagues in the state parliament are yeah. telling me that's what's happened, and I think if you what, ask that what's she's happened a letter, here, that she's, she's a letter become, signing factory. She's become a state MP who's signed hundreds of these okay. federal immigration letters, and she All shouldn't right. have signed any. Okay. She shouldn't have signed any.
Well, that's the first I've heard of that, and if that is the case, then I'd be very disappointed. Uh, all right, well, I wish these people had come public. Uh, I mean, they're telling you, uh, you know, they're telling, you know, Fordham down the road off the record, but I've invited a number of these MPs on my program, Chris Minns and others, to to go on the record. It's all very well to, to tell you and all very well to tell other people off the record, but why don't they put themselves on the record? If somebody if somebody wants to take on Jody and, and have a crack at the job, well, then how about they grow a set and actually up, you know, front up to this or another program and say, look, I'm challenging. Marcus, You're... would you ever sign a letter not knowing where it was going or who it was about? Well, no, I wouldn't. Of course I wouldn't. Well, this, this is what we're talking about, mate. It's, it's, it's yeah. clear cut. All right, but I'm just wondering, uh, that's your opinion and, and I respect that and others have similar opinions, but why are they not challenging then, Jody? It's all very well for you to come on with respect, mate, of course, to say that her position's untenable and you, you're telling me that you're being backgrounded by other Labor MPs in New South Wales saying that her job's untenable and she's running a, you know, a so-called... Uh, Letter-signing factory. Yeah, well, if that's the case, why aren't they fronting up in the media and actually saying this? Why are they leaking to you or to others? And have, why are you having to say this on their well, behalf? Well, that's not uncommon in, in uh, state parliament. Liberal MPs <laughs> will tell me things that they won't say publicly as well. I'm, All right. I'm a bit of a um, you know truth serum to, to, to you know I don't I don't repeat everything I hear, but mm. Uh, mm. if I believe it to be true, then uh, I say it publicly. Uh, why okay. don't they? Well, there's conservatives inside the Liberal Party who uh, think lots of things that are wretched inside their government, but they won't stand up and say it publicly for the reason that, you know, they'll get kicked out. And inside the Labor Party, the same. There's a significant number of Labor MPs very dissatisfied with Jodie McKay's leadership even before this... uh, issue about the pedophile. All right. Well, they need to step up then or shut up. They either need to support her or, or not. All right, well, mate. they're in a mess. You know, Labor's got okay. massive problems in terms of how they relate to workers, in terms of jobs and working class values, but they also lack um, uh, organisational leadership. There's, there's no big personalities in the Labor Party anymore who can take hold of a situation and say, oh, well, look, look this is what we need to do. So there is a lot of, um, you know, what you call backgrounding behind the scenes, telling mm. others to go forward and have their say, uh, yeah, Labor's in a mess. All right. Uh, well, I'll, leave it, I'll leave that alone for now. Facebook, mate. Uh, are you still up? We're still up. Are no, you still no, up? I was down. I was down and then got back up. <laughs> no one can keep you down, Mark Lake. No, that's, that's irrepre- irrepressible. I was down <laughs> for about seven or eight hours. Okay. But, uh, back up. So I don't know if uh, others have had that experience. I'm glad to hear you're not down, but... Yeah, Marcus, there's a lot of commentary about this, and, yeah. and mainstream media companies are going berserk about it. But we've got to go back to the, the history of it, because when the internet was starting to become popular, these companies, News Limited, Fairfax and Co., said, oh, we're looking at the internet. We'll just put our stuff behind a paywall. Our stuff is high quality. Lots of people will pay for it, and we'll make our money that way. Well, not a lot of people paid for it. That's the truth of it. And um, the mainstream media, newspapers in particular, have had a problem with political bias, political agendas, incompetence, uh, fake news, and they're not as popular as they used to be. People well, they listen to talkback radio, they go on the internet, they find information from all uh, avenues. And for the federal government to intervene to say we're saving journalism, well, why couldn't journalism save itself? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, look, I um, I understand that a lot of people have turned to to Facebook, and I think it's quite 
lazy in a way. Uh, you need to try and read as much as you can. Uh, that is, go on the websites of the Herald, go on the websites of if you want the telly. Uh, but read also, importantly, in my opinion, other independent uh, journalists that are out there, uh, either myself or your, your Michael Wests or others, and then form your own opinion. Um, and sadly, it's it's become a bit of a, a, a mess if you like, we survived private, uh, previously to Facebook being... I can remember the day, mate, when there was no internet. Remember that? Yeah, you know, I remember that too, <laughs> but uh, there's history to this. Yeah. And uh, you're right. Uh, and a lot of people do go to multiple sites and make up their own mind. You know, there's an assumption. There's always been this underlying arrogant assumption, um, the, the mainstream media newspapers, that only they can determine the truth and put it out there publicly. Well, there's people... On, on Facebook and chat mm. groups and all sorts of forums. I've just signed up to a thing called uh, Clubhouse, and I saw your yeah. name on there as well. So there's all sorts of forums where Clubhouse. people can freely and openly have their say, acquire information, and the public's <laughs> always smart enough to make up their own mind. Somebody might be masquerading as me. The only Clubhouse I'm aware of is the one that I tried to build for my sons when they were much younger, and it was a, it was a wreck. Is that right? <laughs> well, there's a Marcus Paul on there. Maybe you've got an admirer, mate, who's imitating you. Oh, God. How many Marcus Pauls would they be? Oh, well, you know, if you Google me, apparently some uh, fashion designer from Milan comes up. He's oh, wow. far better looking than me, so I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll just take his. <laughs> oh, we know where we're getting dressed in future. <laughs> All right, mate. Look, before I let you go, uh, I see Chris Minns has gone a little hard on uh, Mr Keane this week. There's a $9.9 million lift that's been built at a... Hawkesbury River uh, Station up there near Mooney Mooney. It attracts around 2,000 people a week on the train service and yet out there in Doonside that attracts some um, 25,000 passengers a week. Uh, you know, those most vulnerable people who perhaps require a lift, uh, those with wheelchairs, those with walking cranes, etc., there's still nothing there. Why yeah, is... this is the centre pork barrelling. Uh, you could yeah. also mention Macquarie Field Station, where they've got over 10,000. Yeah, tell me that. You got... There's no lift for no... the disabled, the elderly. Really? And Macquarie Fields? Yeah, Macquarie Fields as well uh, okay. has been overlooked. So this is the problem with pork barrelling, mm. where you put the money in to help 2,000 people when uh, over 20,000, <laughs> yeah. 10,000 go without. You've got to allocate this on the basis of need, and people shouldn't be ruled out just because they're in a labour electorate. Well, absolutely not. All right, maybe we'll talk a little bit more on this because I want to get a list, complete list, either from yourself or from Labor as to why or where, sorry, um, you know, these new lists have been placed ahead of, because I think it's a big story. I mean, a lot of people, we've got a government that's encouraging us to hop on public transport, you know, to try and ease some of the congestion in Sydney. But how can you do that when in some of the most populated areas on some of the busiest <laughs> train stations, you're excluding those with a disability or at least making it harder for older and vulnerable people to get on the train. Yeah, so, and those of us with tired legs, you know, I walk around a lot of a day in Parliament and so forth and, yeah. and you know, I'm, I'm 60 at the end of this month. You get tired legs, you want to use the lift every now and then and yeah. it's yeah. got to be allocated on the basis of need. So it is a big problem, but certainly for those, who, you know, someone in a wheelchair... Um, someone on a, a walking frame and the like. It basically disqualifies them from using public transport. 60? Uh, look, I'll end on this, even though we had a slight disagreement over Jody McKay. Don't look That's a day right. over 40, mate. <laughs> OK, good on you. <laughs> that, that makes for a great Friday. Thank you. <laughs> See you, mate. Talk Cheers. next week. One Nation's leader in New South Wales, Mark Latham. The news not too far away. This is Marcus Paul in the morning at 6 to 8. 
2SM Super Network News. News. Wake up. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back to the program. 131269 is our telephone number. Amy Shark will join us as we get into happy hour in the next couple of moments. Uh, but look, there's so much happening. Uh, and I know John McRae's on the phone. G'day, John. Are you there? Yes, Marcus. Marcus, there's a very good thing you could get your teeth into. It's called the Mine Subsidence Board. Now, anyone in an area where there's mining, any sort of air mining, yeah. has, was, was covered by any damage to their property. Mm. Now, that doesn't happen. It's called the Mines Advisory Service. Now, there's billions in this, in this, in this uh, board, and now anyone that's affected with any mining now has got to go to the person doing the mining and see if they can get, uh, uh, you know, rectification of the damage. Now, what I want to know is what happened to all the money that was there? This has happened under the Liberal regime. Yes. What's happened to all the money? Because I, I know for a fact over the years there's that much money in it. They've loaned money out to other government agencies to do work and the money is supposed to come back. Whether it has or not, I don't know. Yeah. But the, what's happened to all the billions that was there to, to the insurance for people that had their properties damaged by mining and especially in the Hunter Valley area or all around that area that'll, that'll get the disturbance problems. Anyone within 800 metres to a kilometre of where the mining is occurring is in what you call the inclusion zone. Right. So where where is the money that's been put there? Never ran started at all, off, and the money was never to be touched. It was only to be there because subsidence goes on for years. It just doesn't happen as soon as you have the mining. It will right. go on for years. So where's all the money gone, and what's happened? To, and why have people got to go to the mines to see if they can get retribution for what's happened to their properties? Do you where's have access? Do you have access to an email, mate? Because I'd love you to send me a, uh, an email on this. Yes, I've got an email, yes. All right. Well, I'll put you back to Justin. Uh, we'll give you our email address and let's uh, get some, some more detail from you on this, mate. Thank you very much. 13 12 69. All right, Amy Shark very soon for happy hour. But speaking of happy events, uh, it's taken seven-odd years. But NASA's perseverance has landed, I see, on Mars. Back and maneuver has started. About 20 meters off the surface. We're getting signals from MRO. UHF is good. Touchdown confirmed. Perseverance safely on the surface of Mars. Ready to begin seeking the sands of Wow, let's go back to our space expert, David Renicky. Good morning, Dave, again. Yeah, Marcus, thanks for the follow-up, yep. Yeah, tell me, what's happening? This is exciting. Uh, textbook, textbook landing, Marcus, couldn't go on any better. <clears throat> We're on Mars now, the uh, the rover is settling in, uh, and it's going to send a little signal back saying, look, I'm home, here's where I am. They're sending back the first images now of where it's been sitting on the on the planet. I think now they're just going to shake it down and, yeah. uh, and let it settle, and within, you know, in a few hours' time, we should get some more images coming back, but... Look, you couldn't ask for a better mission. Everything worked perfectly on time. And the good thing about it was not only your station, you there personally taking an interest in it, but all the news services around the world 
Including the Bricky TV. Yeah, I've been seeing well. it in the background. Uh, we've got the, uh, the Sunrise program <clears throat> on in the background and they've uh, shown some great uh, animation. Uh, but are we, yet, uh, are we seeing any uh, photos or any vision that's come through? Don't, didn't you tell me it takes a Only little while? Only the landing images now. It's just okay. taking photographs through a screen. They're a little protective screen over there so what we're seeing is a you know a sort of muted version of, of what mars will look like yeah it's in a good spot they're mm-hmm. uh, they're in jazero crater exactly where they wanted to be i think in the next few hours marks we'll see some images coming back through nasa and uh they'll they'll determine you know after that when they're going to deploy the uh <laughs> the little helicopter but yes. nail-biting seven minutes mate watching that coming down and it's a testimony to human ingenuity, and it galvanises the entire world. I mean, everyone was watching this. I think it's great to have some good news like that for change, don't you? Oh, absolutely. All right, those who want to continue following, where, again, do they go to? Uh, what, what's your site called, David? Yeah, davidrenicke.com, D-A-V-I-D-R-E-N-E-K-E.com. On there, you'll find the links to... Uh, to the after effects of it and, and again replays of the landing so thanks for your interest Marcus really appreciate that no, not a problem good man well it's an exciting day for you know space exploration and as you mentioned earlier it's the first time in a, what a, nearly a decade that we've effectively yep. gone back there and it, it's exciting news thank you David appreciate it mate thanks Mark alrighty unscripted genuine and sometimes silly Marcus Paul in the morning Now another John has sent me a note on our email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com for your emails. Marcus, when Facebook said no to the government, what was the Prime Minister going to do? Well, John, was Facebook saying no to the government or were they saying no to Rupert Murdoch? But anyway, because I think uh, the Prime Minister is acting on the behest of people like Rupert Murdoch. But anyway, John goes on to say... Uh, their only chance was to apply some sort of tax, and in response to that, the company, like any other Australian company, had the right to remove the tax-generating part of their business. So I know who is the bully in this situation, and it's not Facebook. Oh, I've got you. Yes. I might say people have been complaining for years that businesses have taken over Facebook because it's free. Make them pay for their page. Regards, John. Uh, well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, but, yes, uh, th- there's a little bit of sense to what you're saying there. Um, are Facebook the bully, or is it big business, those big media corporations? Look, um, News Corp, Rupert's Mob, they've been bleeding billions of dollars in their global empire, and is it any wonder they've been chasing Mark Zuckerberg for what they say is their payday, their fair share? Look, people are going to have different uh, viewpoints on this. I, to be honest, uh, am a little disappointed that a number of other organisations that provide key information to Australians, you know, you're not-for-profits, the organisations that we rely on for information on bushfires, for emergency information, etc., I'm disappointed that they've gone, and I can only hope that uh, Facebook will have a change of heart on that. Anyway, thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number if you'd like to have you say. Uh, happy hour. 
We're going to be 15 minutes late into it, but that's okay because Amy Shark joins us next. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. News and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's been a total, in my opinion, a total breakdown of what should occur after a young woman has been allegedly sexually assaulted. She's an incredibly brave young woman, Marcus, and Brittany Higgins' uh, story is a, is a, a really shocking one and, and speaks to the importance of having safe workplaces everywhere. Marcus, Paul in the morning. New South Wales opposition leader Jody McKay joins us exclusively on the program this morning. Apparently what has happened is that uh, on the tribunal website there's been a, a letter which accompanied uh, a number of documents from churches that was never addressed to the tribunal that has been characterised as letter support. The letter itself is not attached so all it says is Jodie McKay letter of support. It is categorically not that. So I'm just so angry that the government uh, would seek to do this. This is what they do. It's dirt flinging and and mud raking. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. Alright, well just on that, uh, this morning Mark Latham uh, made some claims on this program. He told me that Jody McKay's office is nothing more than an immigration letter-writing factory. We'll have a podcast up on that very soon at Marcus Paul in the morning. Just go to 2smsupernetwork.com. But here's a little of what Mark had to say. Marcus, some MPs get way too close to so-called ethnic community leaders. And if you're becoming a letter-signing factory, just churning them out... Yeah, but that's unfair, Mark. ...who's representing these Mark, people, that's unfair. dangerous. No, to say that she's a letter-signing factory, that, see, that's a, part of the, uh, that's a part of the commentary that I, I don't like. Uh, I, think it's, I think that's very unfair. She's not well, a letter... Well, colleagues in the state parliament are yeah. telling me that's what's happened. There we and go. And I think if you what, ask that she's a letter here, That she's, she's a letter-signing become... factory... She's become a state MP who's signed hundreds of these okay. federal immigration letters. All right, so there we go. Um, it's a pretty damning indictment if it's true. I wish these Labor MPs would go on the record rather than perhaps leak or backgrounding to people like Mark Latham. Maybe Chris Minns or whoever's behind it needs to come on this program and explain exactly what they mean by that. Well, this is exciting news. Uh, we're welcoming for the very first time for Happy Hour, Marcus Paul in the morning around Australia on the Super Radio Network, Queensland songstress Amy Shark. Hello, Amy. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm not so bad at all, but you must be so excited. You've been very busy working. Uh, you've got a brand new song out, which uh, will feature today on the program. Uh, not only uh, your brilliant talent, but you've also called in a couple of big guns for this one. Yeah, I mean, it sound, it actually sounds like it would have been a real mission to put uh, these two, I guess, together in a song, but it came together quite easily, which I'm very thankful for. Well, these two we're talking about, none other than Ed Sheeran and Keith Urban. How did you come about working uh, with these two musicians and legends of, of music? Hmm, yeah, it's it still blows my mind to be honest. I'm not really sure how I how I did it, but um somehow I managed to be invited to sing with Keith in, in twenty in the twenty eighteen Arias. Yeah, and wonderful. Sort of got along really well and just kept in contact and he's he's a good friend of mine now. Um and Ed, um and I'm gonna drop another name and sound like a real idiot here, but um Russell Crowe was a big fan of mine at the start when I released a song called Adore. Yes he did. And, um he ended up sending my album to Ed Sheeran. Wow. And from that, Ed contacted me and said, 
you know, if you're ever in England, I'd love to set up a, a session, a songwriting session. Um, and that we did. And then we got a really great song out of that. And, and, and hopefully I've got another really good friend, which I think I do in Ed and, um, and, and the rest is history. It yeah. all just came together so so nicely and, and organically, and, yeah, it feels really good. Well, it's the kind of invitation you just don't knock back, do you, Amy? Uh, an invitation from Ed Sheeran to collaborate and put something together. Well done. Oh, trust me, I did nearly fall on the floor when the email came through. I <laughs> thought it was fake. I thought it was a friend, you know, playing a yeah. or something. And But, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty wild for me. All right, now the song... Love Songs Ain't For Us, featuring Keith Urban, co-written by Ed Sheeran. It's released today. What's the song all about? Uh, it's kind of about the beginnings of, of meeting someone that gives you butterflies, I guess. Ah, and you, you're feeling all sorts of insecurities and then that transition into um, being with someone who's your person and someone you can kind of like eat a burrito with and get it all over your face and be comfortable with that. <laughs> well, it's right up my alley because I just became engaged on Valentine's Day. Oh, congratulations. It's amazing. Thank you very much. So, And I know my, my, my gorgeous fiance Ash, is a massive fan of yours. She's loved you from day one, and I promised her uh, that I'd, Ash. I'd say hello to her from you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Congrats. It's so good. Thank you very much. Just briefly before I let you go, I know you're very busy. It's the first time we've had the opportunity to talk to you. Um and we do a you know, a talk back program where we feature music and we, we have a number of uh uh, younger Australians who are discovering talk for the first time and probably hearing you on our network for the first time. Uh, just briefly, the Amy Shark story uh, from the Gold Coast. It's all come together rather... I know you've been working hard probably most of your life, but, you know, you've become a, a big Australian songstress, haven't you, over the last few years. How's the ride been? Ah, uh, man, would be here for a very long time if I went through what the ride's actually been. <laughs> in... Uh, it's been a journey that, that yeah. you know, any time there's a struggle or, or, or something feels, you know, there's ebbs and flows in this career, like mm-hmm. any career, I guess, yeah. and anyone's life. But um, I just always remind myself that I get to write songs. I wake up and I get to write songs and I get to make music and, mm-hmm. and that's my job now. And, and that's like, that's a dream to me. So Living the dream. Um, been a ride. <laughs> well, wonderful. You're going to be touring very soon. Uh, you're going to start that tour uh, a little later this year, which is wonderful because we know how difficult it's been uh, for, for artists during this COVID-19 pandemic. Your sophomore album, Cry Forever, will be released on April the 30th. It's available to pre-order now, all the W's, uh, Tickets are on sale as well from that same webpage for your Cry Forever national tour which kicks off in June. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad you like the song and we'll chat soon. Absolutely. There she is. Wonderful Australian talent Amy Shark. Her new single Love Songs Ain't For Us featuring Keith Urban is available to stream and download now and here it is for Happy Hour on Marcus Paul in the Morning. Caught in the moment. Yeah, what a voice, hey? Isn't she amazing? Amy Shark from the Gold Coast. Uh, that's brand new to radio, and we're one of the first to play it here on Marcus Paul in the morning. It was great to catch up with Amy this morning. Okay, 13 12 69, my telephone number. It's 8.30. That's news time now. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning.
Okay, 22 minutes away from nine, the John Laws Morning Show. On at nine, in call Lawsy. On one three hundred five six four six five two after nine. Meantime, I'm getting a, a big response to uh, the commentary that Mark Latham had on the program this morning. One Nation's Mark Latham told me that Jody McKay's office is nothing more than an immigration letter writing factory. He also claims he's being briefed by Labor MPs in New South Wales against their leader. Jody McKay. Now, I put the challenge out there to Chris Minns and others, whoever it is, why don't you go on the record? Rather than sniping behind Jody's back, perhaps you could come on this program or wherever you want to go. I noticed that there's continual debates in the Murdoch press this morning as well. Uh, a lot of commentators saying that Jody is at, uh, well, is bluing with a number of unions in New South Wales and that she's been censured by some of them. I mean, where's this all coming from? Where's this push coming from to oust the New South Wales Labor leader, Jody McKay? Anyway, um, again, Chris Minns and others that might be orchestrating a campaign against their leader in New South Wales, you have an open invitation onto the program. Now, what's going on with Facebook? Well, Trevor Long is our tech expert. Um, Trevor can't join us live on the radio this morning. He's very busy, but uh, I'm going to replay what he's had to say yesterday. It's a really good rant, and it breaks it all down for us. And as he's our go-to tech guy on all of these matters, I'll speak to him very soon. Well, we'll replay that audio for you very soon. Diane from our newsroom in a moment, but Dave's there. Hello, mate. Hello, Master. I want to send a cheerio call to two of your regular listeners. Yes. Carmen and Barry. Hello, Carmen. Hello, Barry. I had a lovely dinner at their place yesterday and they told me how much they enjoyed my jokes. So thank you very much for their meal, beautiful meal and for the encouragement. Well, you're a very important part of the latter half of the program, David. You'd, you'd be surprised. You're gaining a reputation as quite possibly Sydney's worst joke teller, but that's okay. That's what dad jokes are all about. Is that correct? That's right, yes. Give me well, some more gold. A question for you. What did the nuclear scientists have for dinner? Ooh, what did the nuclear scientist have for dinner, Dave? Fish and chips. Oh. Wake up. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. You don't get it, Di. I don't get it. What did the nuclear scientist have for lunch? Yes. Fish and chips. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, all right. Jeez. Oh. On Marcus Paul in the morning. The Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane Coveney Garland. I mean, all credit to him. That's probably one of his best, Dicey. Yeah, look, he, I love his dad jokes. Love dad jokes. Oh, they're wonderful, aren't they? they, are they good I fun. mean, they're so silly, but they're yeah, fun. exactly. And it's a nice little circuit breaker from all the serious stuff we're oh, always talking sure about. Oh, it sure is. Yep. <sighs> Big weekend. Oh. Big day. Forget about the weekend. I'm going to spend the weekend recovering from today. Two weddings in one day. Who Seriously? Oh, well, my gosh. See, what happened was my uh, – it was all very wonderful. My sister announced that uh, she was going to get married, and they've put it off, as a lot of people have, because of COVID-19. But they're getting married, Emma, 
uh, and Glenn today. It's going to be a wonderful occasion. It's a lunchtime wedding, so it's a little different okay. up there at Brower Waters. Nice. Which will be gorgeous, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the weather, yeah, we'll see how we go, but it's not too bad at the moment. Um, so they're getting married, and that's going to be great. Then, um, you know, a day or two after they made that announcement, because people are, you know, as you know, ch- chopping and changing dates mm. because of COVID, after they made that announcement, my <laughs> my beautiful fiancé uh, told me that... <gasps> You're not getting married, are you? You know that. Today? Not today. Oh, no, God, no. Okay. Not today. <laughs> okay, sorry. I just Woof. had to find out. Woof. <laughs> You'd be coming, Guy. You would, you'll be coming to the way. You would know if of I was course, getting married. Of course, of course. I'm just making today. sure. But anyway, um, her brother is also getting married. And because of COVID, they've had to move dates. So they're getting married today as well. Oh, wow. And so, where are they? Uh, Barrel. Oh, <laughs> I'm going from Barara to Barrel. But fortunately, I, look, I, I won't make that ceremony, but the, I'm there at the reception. I was going to say, are they not going to loan you the 2SM helicopter to get there? No, because you're too busy using it all the time. <laughs> I know. You, you, you hop in at each Absolutely. and every day. You fly into work. You fly out of work. Mm-hmm. In the helicopter, I was asking. I was going to check Peter Dutton whether he might be able to, you know, fling me a couple of tickets on the VIP jet that he uses all the now time. Now there's an idea. But anyway, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm sure I will. Mm. I'd have to be. Barrow will finish around three o'clockish, two okay. thirty, three o'clock. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't have to be at Barrel until six thirty. Okay, oh, plenty of time. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Just- <laughs> Don't think about I've the school the traffic you... or the Friday afternoon traffic. Mm, I've seen yeah. the way you drive. Maybe, <laughs> do you reckon... Do, I... Would you like me to give you a lift? I'll get you there in time. Well, you've got the uh, the 2SM car. Mm-hmm. One of the 2SM oh, cars. It, she goes, yeah. I know. Oh, she goes. I know you should send die. Come, you know, just after 12 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, there is, we call it the Silver Flash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Silver Flash, once it departs the car park here at Jones Bay Road in Piermont, heading out west where Dicey goes, uh, I mean, it is, it's, it's a flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it flies. It does. Di, thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy we'll the, the wedding. Oh, it'll be wonderful. I'm even wearing a suit, for God's Ooh. sake. I know, right? See you, Di. Bye. See ya. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, Susan, good morning. Good morning. Hello. And, uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> I've got that Aussie accent. Too bad. I love hey, it. Good on you, Marcus. Thank uh, you. Uh, for ex- I've got two parts to this. Off you go. Uh, what I'm about to say you, uh, and at the end of it, there's a butt in there. Hang on. So, for, good on you for, for uh, exposing so many flaws uh, under, under, the, under Scott Morrison's rule. I do listen to you, but I'm not going to get up and uh, uh, talk on the telephone early hours of the morning. I do listen to you sometimes. Thank you. Uh, he probably he probably wishes that he was holidaying on Mars satellite. <laughs> you reckon he should uh, have gone uh, up in the Mars Explorer, hey? Yeah, yeah. That I, I reckon he, he was wishing he was there. But then again, the, uh, but next week uh, begins a distraction. It, you know, the, the kissing babies and taking taking all accolades for the vaccine rollout. Well, Susan, I think the distraction's already started with what's going on with Facebook. Yes, well, uh, there's more coming. Mm. Wait for it. All right. Where's the but? That's the but. That's Next the week but. begins the distraction. All right. Well, you have a wonderful weekend. It's great you to hear a, from you. You have a, a, a... Try to settle down before you drive. Okay. I will. Ta-ta. I promise. Ta-ta. Thank you. There she is, Susan. She normally calls Lawsy. Are they fighting again? 
Lawsy and Susan, are they? All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, 11 minutes away from 9 o'clock. Look, as you know, our go-to guy on all things tech is the wonderful Trevor Long. Yesterday he didn't hold back uh, when he discovered that a lot of his content had, well, just disappeared into the ether. Why? Well, courtesy of uh, the federal government's blue with Facebook. Here's a little of what Trevor had to say. Facebook's removal of news from every Australian Facebook user's account today and removing the news that already existed on many pages is the biggest tech story in a very long time, if not forever here in Australia. I've never had more requests from radio stations and TV to talk about this in my entire career doing what I do. And that tells me that it's not only far-reaching, it's not only wide in terms of its, its problematic appeal, but it's a very big story. And, and you've got to wonder whose side you're meant to be on here. But the thing is, I, I was on the fence with this whole thing for a long time. I didn't like the fact that Google threatened to leave Australia. I thought that was an overreach. Leaving Australia, big call when you make $4.8 billion a year. But Google, seeing the code, getting through the Senate, and now through the... Well, how ironic. How ironic. Facebook's had a go. Hang on. So we got our old mate here having a crack at Facebook. Then right now we can see that he's... The House. Here we go. We uh, got him. Senate committee and now through the House and soon to be approved by the Senate realised that their hand was forced and they needed to do something. They needed to do something to support Australian media. And they made deals. Good on them. And they're to be congratulated for that. Facebook, however, goes, nah, we, we're going to stick with our plan of removing news. Now, let's just quickly revisit why this is happening. The government looked into the, the market power, the dominance of Facebook and Google. And they found that they uh, absorb 70 to 80% of all digital ad revenue. Now, ad revenue is what has forever funded media. It's what's funded the TV shows you watch, the radio stations you listen to, and the newspapers you read. As we moved into digital, we had to find new ways of advertising. Banner ads and all these amazing fancy ads you see on the internet became part of that. But Google and Facebook have a power over us that no other company has, and that's information, data. They know so much about us that they're able to monetize us in a way far more efficient than any media company can. But media should evolve. That's what most people say. And it's true, media should evolve, and they have. But they still can't get enough of a slice of that pie that means that their business model overall isn't questionable, isn't problematic. And what happens when business models of media organizations are questioned or put under pressure? They don't cut reality TV. They don't cut sport. Those things make money. They cut news because they don't make money. News isn't paid for by the people in the news, so news doesn't make money. And so that's why we see cuts to journalism. And the government, like it or lump it, wanted to prevent that from happening. So they decided that Google and Facebook should negotiate with media companies in good faith and come up with a way that media companies could continue to make money and uh, make news. And that would be a great thing for all of us. So Google's doing that. And congratulations to them. Facebook, though, nah, we're out. We don't like what the government's doing. We're done. Pull the pin. Now, the funny thing about today is they've pulled the pin on such an amazing array of things from Harvey Norman to healthcare services to fire and rescue that they look like complete dickheads. That's what they look like, dickheads. Their algorithm is so bad, they couldn't work out what is media versus what is 
retail or what is government information like the Bureau of Meteorology? That's embarrassing and it shows how hasty this decision was. What is news? What is news? That's the question Facebook has to answer because that's what they're banning. What is news? And then determine what can and can't be shared. Now, this is very personal for me because I've said all along, and listen to any podcast I did with Stephen Fennick, uh, especially, we both shared the agreement that we didn't, we didn't care what happened here. We don't want money. We just want to get the traffic because that's how we share our content with our audiences. Now, if you look over my shoulder, I've got a, I've got a counter here in the office that challenges me to grow my Facebook audience. I want more Facebook audience because I want to share with more people. But here's a little thing you don't know unless you run a Facebook page. You have 18,000 likes on a page, let alone 180,000. Yeah, all right. Well, obviously, they're on to us. they got us. You think they're on to us? Well, it's stopping every time we play this. We are paying it off Facebook, interestingly. How ironic, wouldn't you say, they're scruffles? I should have recorded Look, it. I knew I should have. Those anyway, what on. we'll do, uh, there's a link up. If you want to hear the rest of because uh, the rant gets better, trust yes. me. What we'll do, and uh, we've got actually, it's up already. Yeah. We're still online. On Facebook. For now. <laughs> and incredibly, our audience continues to grow. What are we, in the last 20-odd days, three-quarters of a million people mm. have interacted with us, our little show on Facebook, of only, you know, what, less than 15,000 followers. So, um, I don't know. We're still there. Anyway, I've got a link up to Trev's wonderful rant, and I'll talk to him live on the program next week. Mm-hmm. We obviously can't rely on a Facebook video... Um, to, you know, break it all down for us, unfortunately. But we'll get him on next week, all right? Come up the dial and give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, what a week. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the program. Your SMSs, your emails, your phone calls on the open line. We appreciate uh, you being there for us. And thanks for sharing your views as we bring you the news on this show. Lawsy's next. Scruff, you have a great day. You too. Good weekends. You too. And I will catch up with you first at 5 Monday. That's 5 a.m., Marcus. 5 mm, yeah. a.m. This morning I got a call. <laughs> 5 a.m. I thought it was my alarm going off. <laughs> no, it was Justin. Where the hell are you? <laughs> Even when you're gone Somehow you come along just like Poking through the sidewalk crack And just like that